Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest show of Talk That Talk. Um, really excited to give us this uh, third episode here. Um, this is our weekly show. Um, I'm really excited for these new viewers that we have out there. Um, I know that we have some people that are regular viewers, and to our regular viewers out there, I thank you as always. Um, I'm just really excited to, to be as consistent as I can and giving you my sports opinions, giving them objective, transparent, and with factual based, all right? So I'm not coming out here with these biased things, or I'm not saying things that don't make sense. When you have people that don't make sense, uh, they say things that don't make sense, then it just really is hard for me to listen to you and, and really hard to interpret your sports opinion for me. Um, I'm really happy to say that we're streaming on iTunes, we are on Spotify, and we are also on Google Podcasts. Um, consistency is a key for me here. I'm really excited that we just continue to get better week by week, day by day. And, you know, I've just had a really a lot of support from my friends and family who have tuned in, who have given me feedback on how I can make the show better. Um, it just really makes me excited and it drives me to continue to pursue my dreams and my passions and to have people that are backing me with that. It, um, it just really makes me happy. And, um, it's the reason why I am doing what I'm doing because, you know, with this whole talk, that talk show, um, it, it's, it's really for the people that are really talking that talk. They're doing what it is that they say they're going to do. And, you know, they just walk the walk of just positivity and, and trying to be the, the change that we want to see in this world. So everybody out there that are on my side and everybody out there that might be on my side and coming on, come tune in. Because you know what? That Talk That Talk show is going to be here every single week. I'm not going to fail you. And one of the things I wanted to talk about to start, which I'm really sorry for, was, you know, normally we would be recording on Tuesday night, but, you know, we're recording tonight on Thursday, 7 p.m., still the same time, because of the fact that I had the amazing, amazing opportunity to, you know, take advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, for those of you that, you know, really don't know me as that well, um, I work with Playworks. Um, I've been with this nonprofit for about five years now. Um, it's really crazy to say that, but, um, you know, with them at first it started out as just a job for me to try and you know pay the student loans back because you know how that goes uncle sam needs his bread so you know i needed something to you know get get me over that little hump to, to start you know getting those payments down and the real crazy thing about it was i really just fell in love with what it is that playworks is and what we represent and that's just, you know, providing safe and healthy play to students across America. So that's something that I'm really proud of. And with, you know, the nonprofit that I work for, um, there's a lot of great opportunities that do arise. And one of those happened. Um, I got an email. It was a little bit late. And, you know, pretty much it was asking us if we had or, you know, wanted to take, you know, the opportunity to, you know, lead to get a chance to meet Kobe Bryant. Like, I, I can't tell you how excited I was. I can't tell you what that meant to me, but more so not just in meeting Kobe Bryant, but just to be able to then give the students that I serve, give the 
families that I serve, the communities that I serve, give them the opportunity, the same that I do. Um, it was really a blessing because a lot of the times, you know, when we get opportunities, we want to think about, you know, ourselves and how we can make the most out of them. But it, it, it takes another level to then do that for someone else or to bring those people up with you. And, and I can't tell you the, the, the smiles on the students' faces when, you know, Kobe walked in the room. It, it just made my day. And it made all the hassle of emailing principals, all the hassles of trying to call parents, you know, waiting outside in the cold for late parents but you know to have you know my schools at ps 54 ps 76 and uh ps 111 represented there and to take advantage of a once in a lifetime opportunity you know it was really awesome for me to be able to lead that and, and to give them that so with that you know kobe bryant he has a new book series called the wizard nard series that's uh just came out um and one of the things that Kobe talked about was, you know, how the culmination of some of those, you know, people and characters in the, this book, you know, represented different players and different uh, coaches that he had in his career. Um, one of the one of the um, the coaches that's actually in the book, because the first series in the book, it's um, it's called Training Camp. And he said that he kind of modeled that coach off of John Wooden and a little bit of also Phil Jackson and that little Zen character to him. So I think it's just really awesome to see how Kobe can, you know, come from, you know, dropping double doubles and scoring out of this world against, you know, top caliber teams in the NBA to then winning an Oscar and now, you know, writing children's books. It's just really inspiring and it was just really amazing for me to to see, you know, how humble Kobe was and how he looked every kid in the eye and when, you know, I shook his hand, you know, he he he, he just seemed genuinely happy that we were able to get those kids there and give them an opportunity at something that they might not ever have the chance at. So, um I'm just really happy that you know, all the students were able to come. Um, Kobe actually, which was really awesome, one of the students that was at my school at PS76, she asked a question to Kobe, and she asked him, Kobe, if you couldn't play on the Lakers, which team would you like to play for? And <laughs> I don't know whether it was just because he had his book, you know, series signing or whatever in New York, but he wound up saying that, you know, he, first, he talked about, you know, the mystique of like the Boston Garden, but he at the top and very last of it, he said that the Garden was high, high on his list as far as places that he loved to play. So he said that he always wished that he could have played in New York, which was conveniently funny when I looked on my uh, phone. I saw that CBS and ESPN had broke that quote. And, you know, had quoted him saying that Kobe Bryant would have loved to go to the Knicks. So I just think it's really funny and it's awesome to me that, you know, for me to be able to get my student there and then for him to answer a question from an eight year old that is, you know, high news for the sports. So I think it's really awesome. And it just really speaks to the opportunities and how you have to really seize things as they come. Um, I, you know, had to do the podcast on Tuesday. Uh, as something that's very important to me, but the fact of the matter was that this opportunity was bigger than a podcast. Um, it was a once in a lifetime experience and something that, you know, these kids will be able to live on and take some of the things that he said for the rest of their lives. And, you know, that's really important to me. And that's 
part of the reason why, you know, having it and being in this nonprofit, it just really has completed me as a whole and gives me and allows me to be able to give everything that I can into this sport. So, you know, for Kobe to come in there, um, have this event where you have tiny audible. I mean, he's a hall of famer, man. We got to meet Tom Thibodeau, who's the coach of the Bulls, old coach of the Knicks, old coach of the Timberwolves. Um, this is a very reputable guy. And, you know, this is an experience that, you know, I'll never forget. And I know these kids will never forget for the rest of them lives. So I'm sorry that I wasn't able to, you know, record last Tuesday at 7 p.m., but it was for good reason. So thank you, Kobe, for, you know, having, you know, this book series. And thank you for having my students out there. One of the things that I really enjoyed was the fact that I got to talk to Frank Isola, and he was actually in unison with Kobe in saying that he thought that the Duke Blue Devils were going to win the national championship. And I, <laughs> I know that Duke is the safe play here. I know that they're the safe play, but you know we're going to really dive into a little bit more about this NCAA tournament. But First things first, sadly as it is, and I'm really sad about this, but my Louisville Cardinals were the first upset in the tournament. Um, they they really got they really got out muscled by Minnesota, which was a much bigger physical team. And you know, in this tournament, and the reason why they call it March Madness is because a lot of the crazy things that we don't expect to happen really do happen. You have a situation where you have this team in Minnesota that really, you know, historically and in, you know, this past season don't really shoot the three-pointer that well. This team was 344th in the nation in three-pointers. And today they wound up shooting and making 11 three-pointers. And that was the deciding factor here with you know against Louisville. Um, this was a this was a game where you have a 10 seed in Minnesota, Big Ten, an established conference, going up against Louisville, which was a seven seed. You know, they didn't, you know, go into the ACC championship, but they were still a good team. You know, you have Chris Mack, you know, in his first year with Louisville coming from a place where he made Xavier into prominence, you know. Um, I think there was a lot of pressure on him to, you know, take this team into, you know, and far into the dance. But when it came down to it, you cannot let a team shoot 50% from the field. They were shooting lights out, man. Shooting you cannot out. let a team shoot 50% from the field and go out and expect to win the game. Minnesota was killing it. Yeah, I mean, Louisville did shoot 45% from the field. But when you can't stop anybody and they're getting bucket after bucket, it is difficult to win games in the big dance. And, you know, it, it was really tough to see out there because I, one of the reasons why I truly love Louisville was, you know, from Rick Pitino. And not just because of his nice suits, but because when I was growing up, Louisville was called the New Jersey Exchange. All of the best guards, all of the best New York guys, Jersey guys, they wanted to play for Rick Pitino. And, you know, 
with me being a, a great and a, and a lover of basketball, you know, I love seeing people that play defense and play it hard. And those old Louisville teams, especially the national championship team, they, they really got in your face, you know. They were full court pressing um, the whole entire game, no matter whether they were up 15 or whether it was a two-point game. Louisville was full court pressing the entire game. And it's very difficult for me to go and look at this team and, and just see how they just let Minnesota walk the ball up the court no pressure you're just walking the ball up the court and you know they're getting in and setting up into their offense and when you can't get a team out of their offensive sets then it becomes a very hard time for yourself especially when you get down i mean minnesota for most of that game was leading by 10 points and you're constantly fight, thinking that you're trying to get in this uphill battle, but after a while, you get yourself tired out, and it's, it's a, difficult. You had a patino on the other side. Minnesota. Yeah, uh, um, and that maybe was the difference in why Minnesota was able to have those uh, success against Louisville because Rich Pitino, uh, he had his son over there. He he is the coach of Minnesota. He might know a little bit of you know what Louisville did like to do, but the bottom line is Louisville didn't do what makes Louisville Louisville. Mm-hmm. They were a sound defensive team all those years, and it, it really speaks as to why they were the first upset of the day. Talk that talk. Which leads to the next upset of the day, which we had, was which we actually had the game on now. It was Marquette against Murray State. And I, in my bracket on here, I had Marquette going another round. I had them beating Murray State, but I'm a fool. <laughs> and I'm a fool because... In my eyes, I did not believe in Jamor Murray. Um, I, I thought that, you know, with Marquette losing in the Big East tournament in the way they did, that they would come in with a chip on their shoulder. But you really saw a Murray State team just go out, and they just beat – they beat oh, – it, it was terrible to watch. They, they beat ends. Marquette. I mean, as far as turning the ball over, um, as far as forcing, you know, bad shots – Jamor Murray is a guy that plays both sides of the ball. Um, and, and what I saw from that game, he scored it. I mean, he had a triple-double. Um, oh, this guy's stats, he had 17 points, 11 rebounds, and 16 assists. And the reason why I like that is because not only because Magic Johnson went to see this guy in his Ohio Valley Conference tournament game, I like Jamar Murray for the fact that he's a pass-first guy. I mean, you, you you have 17 points, but it was almost like the most quietest 17 points aside from that one dunk that he had where he just tomahawk dunked it over a supposed, you know, big footer. But, you know, he's just he, – he is just – he's the truth, man. So that is what – when we talk about, you know, these mid-major teams – there's a, a huge gap that is now closing. And you're looking at these conferences like the Ohio Valley Conference, like the Northeast Conference, um, the, you know, the West Coast Conference. Um, it's really hard now to distinguish whether a team is a major conference or a mid-major conference. And I think, you know, Jamorant, you know, he, he, he just embodies that because the way he plays his game is not really flashy and not a lot of people really want to see you know someone that's not dunking the ball crazy what i saw from him was i saw you know patience 
There were times where, you know, they would have the, the open outlet and he literally would walk the ball up because he saw what the score was and he saw that he had to slow that game down so that he could give his team the best opportunity. And, you know, that that really, you know, is what you can tell when you have a guy that's played and, and has had success. Because a lot of times these young kids, they're sophomores, freshmen, they do not understand how to win and how to close out games. And we saw that with a couple of these other games here. Uh, Michigan State, they were in a, a little bit of a dogfight for most of the first half with Bradley. But, you know, because of the fact they were out, able to outmuscle Bradley, they wound up outlasting them. But the thing is, oh, especially with Maryland, I don't know if anybody caught that Maryland-Belmont game, but it, it went down to the wire. And I know that the, a couple brackets would have been busted, and it would have made a big, big thing if Belmont was able to pull that off because they won a playing game. But that all ties back into it with, you know, Maryland just literally skating by by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin to get over Belmont. But it, it really speaks to the fact that, you know, these mid-major conference, we have to try and take – we have to take off the mid-major. Why can't all of these conferences at D1 be just called major conferences? Because at the end of the day – if you look at Marquette, who is supposed to be a ranked team throughout this entire year, you know, a team that was at the top of the Big East Conference, which is one of our best mid-major conferences, and you have a team in Murray State from the Ohio Valley Conference who just beat the brakes off of, how can we then call these, these conferences mid-major conferences? You know, the, the gap is closing. And when you have a team that literally destroyed and dismembered Marquette by over, like, almost 20 points, I, I can't call Ohio Valley Conference a, a mid-major conference now. I mean, you got a guy in, you know, Jamorant who now is a lottery pick. How can we call these guys mid-major conferences? You know, um, Florida State was in a, a dogfight with Vermont for most of it till they were able to pull it out. But, you know, for the most part, they had really difficult time with how Vermont shot the three. And when you look at these quote unquote mid-major conferences, the thing that's been able to get them over the hump has been the three-point shooting. But that is why I really like uh, Murray State now, now that they did beat Marquette because of the fact that they can do it without just shooting the three-pointer, you know? And in the tournament, and kind of like what my philosophy is for when I pick these these games, and I and I try to think about what team is going to go far in the tournament, I have a couple things that I look for. How well does this team play defense? Okay, if you're going out there and you're letting the team just walk the ball up the court, you know, no pressure. You know, I I, I know this team is not going to do well. You know, I like a team that rebounds. Okay, because. We actually saw that in, you know, towards the end of that Louisville game. Um, they had a couple that, like, they had gotten down to about five points. And there were some situations where they got some stops, but they couldn't secure the rebound. And and we all know that when the, the winner of the second chance points generally is going to be the person that wins the game. And if you can't secure the rebound, then you're not going to have you know, success or sustainable success. So, you know, I look for teams that really defend the ball, look to rebound the ball, and especially in this tournament, it has to come down to your guard play. Because 
the person that has the ball the majority of the time is the guard. This is the person that's making the best decisions or making those things that, you know, get you in the best position to, to win. And, you know, I, I hate to keep talking about Jamar, but um, this guy, he, he the way he drove into the basket and, and was able to pass it off, it really speaks to the to the way that these guards and what it is that you need in this tournament to get you far and get you to the next round. So when I look, you know, and I start to look at these teams, um, the easy pick, like, you know, Kobe, and when I talk to Frank Isola, it's easy to pick Duke. But I actually do not have Duke in my, you know, winning championship game. Um, I actually go and I look at Gonzaga. And that that's the matchup that I have here with Duke-Gonzaga meeting in the, you know, as the uh, semifinal matchup. And I have Gonzaga winning that game over Duke. And the reason why I have it is because that guy Hachimura, I don't know if you know, but he is a beast. And... When you come down to try, and, we, and I talk about how important guard play is, the one thing that is able to stop that is that rim protector or that guy that can secure a rebound. And if you look at Hachimura, this guy can shoot the three on top of that and he can dribble the ball in transition. I mean, you got a team that's very big and very long. And with Louisville, they experienced problems against Minnesota because of how big they were. And this is what of the reasons of why I like Gonzaga is because they can guard you on the perimeter. They got big guards, you know, big forwards, and, you know, they've had a taste of success in the past couple years. And I think this is the year where they finally, you know, make that turn for the, you know, the championship game and, and to win that game. Um, one of the things on the other side of it, where I look at my other final four, cause I have Duke, I have Gonzaga, but this, is where I've been catching the most flack from my other two Final Four. I have Tennessee, and then I also have Houston. So I have Tennessee and Houston in the semifinal game. And it, and I can only explain it as this. When I look at Tennessee, the only real, you know, test or, you know, problem that they can really experience here is if they, you know, wind up catching Virginia. But Virginia has lost to the 16 seed. They were the first number one t seed to ever lose to a 16 seed. So I cannot see myself really trusting Virginia as a number one seed. So I think for Tennessee, they have the easiest route out of all of these four to get to the Final Four. Um, I know that some people would say that North Carolina is the best one to pick, you know, outside of Houston in that uh, Midwest region. But when I look at Houston, I looked and I remember a team last year that really outmuscled and out physical, you know, the teams that they played. And, you know, this year, this team, you know, with Ralph Sampson, he has them playing great basketball. They're playing good defense. They are rebounding the ball and, you know, they can, they have the depth to go far into games and when I look at North Carolina, I have them meeting Houston in the Midwest bracket in the Elite Eight. Um, but North Carolina is a team that I think, I, I really think that it's going to be difficult for them to overcome losing that ACC you know, championship to Duke. 
to to make a sustained run because I think that they were you know the top top. I know a lot of people going into that game was really saying that it wouldn't matter whether Zion played or not, but um, UNC got a real reality check in that championship game, and when you come into these tournaments, you need every edge that you can get. Now I I picked wrong when I had Marquette going over Murray State, but. If I looked into the Big East tournament and how they played in that Big East tournament, they they got they got really outmuscled by Seton Hall. You know, Seton Hall really stuck it to them. And when it comes down to it, you have to get any type of positivity or any type of edge coming into the Big Dance. And you know, for UNC to lose the way they did to Zion, to where you know it was at the buzzer, you know. You start to go out there and you start to think, oh, snap, how can I how can I lose this game? Instead of how can I go out here and secure the bag? How can I go get this win? So that's the only reason why I kind of question North Carolina to see if they're a real true contender to really get the championship. Um, but, you know, coming into, you know, tonight, I really like some of the matchups that um, are going to be out there. Um, Got to make sure that you tune in. Um, I know they have them streamed on all the platforms for the CBS, True TV, TNT. So it, it, there's no reason if you're a true college basketball fan why you should miss any of these games. And I tell you, the one that I'm really excited about, um, once I finish this podcast, I'm, I am going to take it off and put it put uh, put this game on. It's going to be that Villanova-St. Mary's game. Now, Villanova was the Big East champions. I know they were. I was there. Um, I got to cover it for the first time, actually, courtside. I was taking pictures. And it was a really amazing and tremendous experience because I got to see how fast the game is played up front. Now, when I you know cover these Knicks games and Nets games, usually they have me up on Chase Bridge or have me up high in the Barclays. But you know, when I took photos for Pure Sports New York for the Big East tournament, I got to really see how fast and how live the game really is from the court. So I got some really good clips. But one of the things that I got to see with Villanova, and it's something we all know, is how much they really rely on that three-point game. And the real thing that gave them problems or when they were in the Big East tournament, how they weren't able to be efficient in shooting the three was because they had perimeter defenders on them. Okay. You had Xavier who had those physical guards that got out to the shooters. Um, but when you look at St. Mary's, um, this is an 11 seed going against a six. And it's one of these games that I have circled because I have St. Mary's beating Villanova. That's my upset. Um, I really think that, the way St. Mary's was able to beat Gonzaga, who I have winning it all, um, I think that the West Coast Conference really needs to get more credit for the quality teams that they're putting out there. And for St. Mary's to be an 11 seed to a team at Villanova who struggled with Seton Hall, or struggled with beating them, who Seton Hall is a 10 seed, I don't see how you can't pick St. Mary's at the 11 over Villanova. Even though Villanova went to the national championship game last year, I just don't think Eric Paschal or you know Phil Booth is going to be enough for Villanova to get them into the next round or into the championship game. So, you know, that is the one that I'm going to have circled that, you know, right after you check out this podcast, make sure that you tune into that game because it is going to be a good one. 
Um, the one that we actually have on right now is Florida, Nevada. I actually had Florida as the 10 seed over Nevada. And, you know, for the, the main reason of the fact that Florida's guard play is, is really tough. Um, you have a team that's, you know, experienced in winning games. Um, I covered them as they, you know, went into the Elite Eight um, at Madison Square Garden two years ago. And you have a team that knows how to win in Florida. So I really like them at the 10 seed to knock off Nevada at the 7. And that's what, you know, the big dance is all about, you know, is trying to see those teams that are going to come out and make a statement. So, you know, we have a lot to look forward to with this tournament. It's been very exciting, you know, from Jamoran's triple-double to, you know, just the way that that Maryland game ended with them, you know, almost thinking that they were going to blow it, but then coming up with a key stop late to get a win. So really, really go out there and watch some of these games, and you will see, and you will see that my take is that the mid-major itself has to get eliminated, and it has to just be all major conferences because the gap is shortening. If you look at these games, the only games out of today in the first day that were blowouts was that Murray State Marquette game, and that was one where a mid-major literally dismembered a big, big conference in Marquette in the Big East. So, you know, the gap is shrinking, which makes it a lot more exciting for us, and it makes it very hard to pick out these brackets. So, in my first game, <laughs> I was out of having the perfect bracket. I think that it's going to be extremely difficult for anyone to have a perfect bracket. So I don't think it's going to happen this year. So, you know, in closing, I want to thank all of our new subscribers out there. I want to thank all of the new viewers who are out here on Facebook Live who've been watching and listening. Thank you so much. Welcome. And the only time I didn't want to do it. But I am going to give the shout-out to Lewis Guerra. Lewis, shout-out to your Oregon Ducks. Shout-out to your Oregon Ducks. Respect. I'll give it to you. I think, you know, that you know we'll see what happens. I, I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch that. But shout-out to all of our sponsors. Um, executive Bar and Restaurant located on 30 Menu Street in Carteret, New Jersey. Go there for some of the best drinks best Indian food that you're going to find in Central Jersey, so check that out. Um, go to VW Liquors, located in Wick Plaza in Edison, New Jersey. Shout out to Dave. Let's go Mets! Let's go Mets! We always do that for Dave, so shout out to them. Thank you for sponsoring us. Thank you, Dave. And then also shout out to 91's Co. with Cody Bromley. Um, I love his work that he has out there. Um, he has a lot of acid wash things, uh, a new spring line that just came out. So go to 91sco.com, check them out, try and get some new, you know, some new threads for you, get you fresh and funky for whatever parties you got to go to. And, you know, shout out to LYX. They actually got us some, you know, equipment that we're using for today. Thank you to Steven Guard for hooking that up for Steve. us. You know, we're... We're, we're getting better each week, man. We have sponsors. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts. So we are here to stay, man. I'm not going anywhere. Talk that talk. I, I, I'm going to keep talking that talk. So if you want, keep tuning in. I'm sorry that this was on Thursday, but we are going back to our regular schedule. So Tuesday, Tuesday. every 7 o'clock. 7 
Make sure you're tuned in on Facebook. Watch your game while you're listening to me. Um, you know, I'm just really happy to put my dreams into motion, man. If I can, you know, have anything out of this podcast other than you listening to my opinions, um, I just want to inspire people to, you know, do what it is that they want to do. Okay, whatever goals that you have, whatever things that you're trying to get out of life, just shoot for the moon because at the end of the day, we only get one life, and I just don't want any regrets. And I want to make sure that I did the best that I could to chase my dreams. And here we have the Talk That Talk Show podcast. Thank you, everyone. Tune in next Tuesday, seven o'clock. I'm gonna be here.